Today's scripture comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we are continuing our series called The Armor of God. And in today's installment, we're going to look at the shoes and the shield. Let's begin with the shoes. Paul says in chapter 6, verse 15, he says, As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. As shoes for your feet... Put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Paul's writing in the first century. He's linking each element in the armor of God to a piece of armor in the Roman arsenal. So let's try and understand what the Roman soldiers in the ancient Near East would wear on their feet. They were called caligae. Caligae. C-A-L-I-G-A-E. Caligae. And this is a picture of an ancient Near Eastern Caligate from the first century. It was found unearthed in Egypt. The Caligate were heavy sandals or sometimes boots. But one of the things that made them stand out was that they, they weren't just normal. They had something very important on their soles. Here's a modern reproduction of the ancient Caligate. You can see on the bottom of the soles are cleats. The construction of the shoes was very intentional because the spikes were intended to give traction to a soldier, to give traction to a soldier who was fighting in a slick environment, either because of the elements or because in the heinous nature of war, blood had made slick the ground. The soldier who could retain his traction had an advantage Turning for a moment to the first few verses of the text we heard today. I just want to call to mind once more how often Paul uses the language of standing. And these shoes helped the soldier stand. And we look at Paul's language regarding the shoes. And let's take a moment to review what he said in verse 15. He said, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. You'll notice here, Paul doesn't say that the piece of armor is the gospel of peace. But rather, Paul says the piece of armor is our readiness to proclaim the gospel of peace. A readiness to share the gospel. Think about that. The cleats 
help the soldier to stay steady, to have traction, to stand. And Paul says that our shoes in this spiritual set of armor, our shoes would be our preparedness to share the gospel. What is it about being prepared to share the gospel that would bring steadiness to our spiritual journey? Why would Paul equate these two items? What is it about being prepared to share the gospel that brings steadiness to our spiritual journey? Well, for that, we have to remember exactly the way Paul talks about the gospel. This isn't any gospel. Paul calls it the gospel of peace. And we think about that in the broader context of what Paul's saying. There's a stark contrast. Because what Paul's telling us in chapter 6 is that there's a war. There's a battle. And it's not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And in the midst of all that fire and fury, Paul drops this line about the gospel of peace. What Paul is teaching us is one of the great keys to our spiritual success. Though the wars, they may be raging all around us, our foundation, which never slips and never slides, is a gospel of peace. Peace in the storm. Peace that surpasses all understanding. It is an unshakable peace, this gospel. So, the gospel of peace helps us remain steady. And Paul tells us we must be ready. We must be ready to share the gospel of peace. One of the ensuing questions must be, how do we prepare ourselves then? How do we prepare ourselves to be ready to share the gospel? Well, my friends, I want to make two suggestions to us. I think there are two things that we have to know in order to be ready to share the gospel. The first is, we have to have a very clear and succinct understanding of what the gospel is. And this can be a challenge for some folks. It can make some people really, really nervous. Some people believe that you have to be a theologian to understand the gospel. And while there are important and deep truths to the Christian faith, the most powerful truth is in some respects the simplest. The gospel of Jesus Christ boils down to this one reality. We can't rescue ourselves. Only God can. We can't rescue ourselves. Only God can. To be prepared to share the gospel and to have any sense of peace in the turmoil of this world, one of the things I must know is that I don't save myself. I don't have that power. I simply accept the freedom of salvation that God has given to me. That's the simple, simple gospel. We don't save ourselves. Only God can do that. The first thing we have to know in order to be prepared to share the gospel is a simple truth of the gospel. But there's another thing we need to know too. And this piece is much more contextual. To be truly at peace, truly prepared to share that gospel of peace, I have to not only know what the gospel is for everybody, I have to know what the gospel is for me. How God saved me. I need to know the gospel, but I also need to know my own gospel. 
Here's mine. I grew up in a Christian community with people who loved me desperately and deeply and who tried to convey the gospel to me regularly. And yet somehow in the midst of all that, what got caught by Rob was the sense that God was always, always angry at me. That I was never enough. I mean, as a, as a young person, I, d- I did it all. I memorized scripture passages. I, I prayed. I p- preached. Until there was one day I was so exhausted with it that I found myself trying to walk away from the faith. But as some of you will remember from my first sermon here at Ebenezer, I told you the story about my mother at a high school basketball game. That she'd cheer and cheer and cheer for me. Not because I was any good, I wasn't. She cheered for me because I was hers. And one day it finally clicked. That this God I thought I knew, this God of anger and condemnation, that wasn't really who God was, never was. God was the God in the bleachers. God is the God who says, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And everything in my life and my ministry is based on that truth. That's the story of my gospel. What's yours? To be prepared, as Paul commands us, to be prepared to share the gospel of peace, I have to know two things. One, I've got to know very simply and succinctly, what is the gospel that I can't save myself, only Jesus Christ can? And the second thing, I need to know I need to know how to proclaim the gospel of my own life. Knowing what the gospel is and how it has been vivified in God's love in my life is what helps to bring about stability. The truth of the gospel, I can't save myself. The truth of my life, that God has been at work, that brings stability and it prepares me then to reach out and connect the gospel in the life of someone else. So Paul says, as the shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim that gospel of peace. Let's turn our attention now to talk about the shield. The shield of faith. In verse 16, Paul writes these things. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's talk about those first few words for just a moment. Paul says, with all of these, or at least that's how the New Revised Standard Version translates it. The New International Version says, in addition to all of these, and the King James Version says, above all, take the shield of faith. So which one is it? Is the shield of faith more important than everything else? Is the shield of faith to be taken above all, or is it simply an addition to the rest of the armor? Well, the reason I bring this up isn't to show you that 
I've read a couple of different translations. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because it's actually really important to understanding what Paul's telling us about the shield of faith. You see, there are two kinds of shields in the Roman world during the first century. The first is called a parma. This is what we tend to think of as a shield. It was a round shield. It was used, uh, strapped on one's arm and, and used in, in somewhat close quarters combat. And sometimes it was used while soldiers were on horseback. It was one kind of shield. But there was a second kind of shield as well. A longer shield called a scutta. This is actually a first century scutta. It was, it was a long, tall shield, three, four feet tall, sometimes even bigger. Here's a picture of the scutta being used in a reproduction of a Roman battle. What I want to suggest to you is that Paul's not talking about the smaller shield, the parma. Paul is talking about the bigger shield, the scutta, because this scutta shield, this big shield could be used on the field of battle, actually planted on the ground in front of you, and then you could kneel behind it, and it would act as a barrier, a wall, a shield between you and the enemy. And so what Paul is saying in the text is not more important than or or alongside it. Paul's saying, put the shield of faith beside you, between you and the enemy. Because faith is the barrier. It's the forced field forced field against those things that are thrown at us. We also need to note what Paul says the shield protects us against. He doesn't just say that the shield protects us against arrows. He says the shield will protect us against all the flaming arrows. There were two Roman historians that were contemporaries of the Apostle Paul, Silius Italicus and Tacitus. And both of them wrote around the time of Paul about new innovations in Roman warfare and in the developments of the Roman enemies' warfare capabilities. Both of these men, these Roman historians, wrote about new steps in technology that were taken with flaming projectiles. In other words, flaming projectiles were kind of the the cutting edge of technology in Roman warfare. I'm not suggesting that the first time somebody set an arrow on fire was around the first century. That happened seven centuries before. But rather, that the Romans and their enemies made innovations in these flaming projectiles. So what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus is, our faith will stand against even the most advanced thing that the enemy can throw at us. Paul said that to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, and it remains just as true for us today. My sense is that most of us know. We know that God can save us from our sin. We know that God can save us from those historic trials that all human beings have faced. But when things feel new, sometimes our faith can falter. Can God save me today? Can God save me from this thing? Can God save me from a virus, a pandemic? Can God save me from whatever's going on in my world right now? Paul is telling the Ephesians, and still throughout the echo of time, is telling us today that faith in God is stronger than even the newest innovation and convention of the enemy.
And some of us might say, well, that sounds really nice, Pastor, but you don't know how how shaky my faith can be. So how do we make our faith stronger? If if I truly, truly want to establish this barrier to myself and those things that evil is going to throw at me, how, how do I make my faith stronger? Well, it turns out the Bible tells us there's a formula. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We heard it last week and again today. Friends, there's just no way around it. To be well equipped in God's armor, allowing us to stand against evil in the power of God's might, there is but one path, one preparation. That of spiritual discipline. The daily, steady diet of prayer and scripture. Because this daily spiritual sustenance increases our trust in God and that's all faith is. Faith is the process of building trust in another. The living God. One day, a house caught on fire. father woke up and smelled smoke and did his best to get all of his kids and his wife out of the home. He went inside again and again to retrieve his children. But finally, the flames were just too much. The structure of the house was beginning to fall and the father couldn't get back in and he still had one son inside. Son was up on the second floor of the home, and the little boy was actually able to, to make his way out of the window and climb onto the roof of the house. And so the father, in great desperation, looked up at the boy and he said, Son, jump, and I will catch you. And the boy said, Daddy, I can't jump. And the father said, yes, son, you can. And the boy shouted up, daddy, I I can't. There's so much fire and there's so much smoke. I can't jump, dad. I can't see you. And the father said back to the son, boy, that doesn't matter. Because I can see you. Faith, the scripture tells us, acts as a shield. And it's not about my righteousness or my power. Faith is about trusting that even when I can't see God, God can see and protect me. In some respects, faith is the great barrier that God gives us. That no matter what comes our way, our God is in control of today and tomorrow and forever. 
And you know what the irony of faith is? The irony of faith is, yes, faith can in some respects be a barrier that protects us from the evil that is outside. But you know what else faith can do? Faith can also break apart those barriers. Those barriers that try to constrict us and hold us down. Did you know that an African impala has the ability to jump 10 feet in the air? Just jump 10 feet in the air. That's as high as a basketball goal. It's amazing. And when they're running and they leap, they can jump in a linear fashion over 30 feet. And yet, if you were to go to a modern zoo and see an enclosure that had nothing but African impalas in it, you might notice that the the wall around the enclosure is sometimes only four or five feet tall. You might say, but these animals can jump higher than that. Yes, they can. The problem with an impala is they're never going to leap unless they know what's over the wall. They're never going to leap unless they know what's over the wall. Faith is the ability to trust when we cannot see. And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of fear. Faith is our shield. It is that thing that protects us from the newest and latest inventions of evil. But it is also that thing that allows us to escape the confines and constrictions of the life that God never intended. My brothers and sisters, today we've heard about two great gifts in the armor. And my prayer for all of us is that we will know the gospel in its simplest form. And then that we will know the gospel of our own lives. For that will bring stability. And I pray also, I pray also that we will learn to trust fully in God. Whether we can see God or not. No matter what is being thrown at us, to trust in the one who is worthy of our faith. Being prepared to share our faith. To use the faith as a barrier to that which is around us. And even a springboard to set us free from what has been. This is the beauty of these parts of the armor of God. And I pray you'll join with us next week as we finish our series on God's armor. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the simplicity of the gospel. We don't have to be scholars and theologians to understand it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so is perfectly sufficient, O God. And yet, each moment of our lives, each moment that we've drawn breath, you have been at work to restore us. And so there is the gospel of everyone, and then there's the gospel of our lives. Help us to know both, to be prepared to share both. 
And so to have traction in this world. Lord, we also give you thanks for the gift of faith. For the way that our trust in you protects us from the newest conventions of the enemy. For the way our faith in you sets us free from the burdens and barriers of what have been. Father, I pray that we might, each of us, spend more time in those spiritual disciplines of prayer and scripture so that our faith in you will grow. We pray these things in the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ.